Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Uh, uncertainty Thursday, market not really sure which way it wants to go. So we'll talk about uh, that as it relates to yesterday, the rotation that we saw and how both of those things will inform today's action. Uh, some stocks on our radar, not too many this morning. We've got a couple of earnings to watch, a couple of ratings to watch. We have jobless claims at 8.30 for whatever that's worth. Uh, our guest today is Peter Chur. He's the head of macro strategy at Academy Securities. He would join us at 8.35. He wrote a column, I, I think it was on Tuesday, uh, that basically came down to don't be a hero and don't buy the dip. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that. Uh, and, and why he thinks that. Uh, I want to see some more likes. If we can get to 300 likes today, that would make my day. So 300 likes is the goal for today's show. Uh, Joel, what's happening here overnight? Are we still flat? Uh, no, we are taking a hit. And uh, I guess uh, maybe Peter's uh, mantra is don't be a hero when the market's going to zero, right? Uh, we're looking bad here this morning. File through through yesterday's low. Uh, 3210, that's your pre-market low. Nothing there for you, folks. Uh, we do have some other uh, support levels under 3200, but uh, I'll keep them to myself right now. Uh, on the upside, you got to clear that close at 3231 and a quarter. You did do that earlier in the session, but now that's a far 15 handles away. Uh, crude in the red by eight cents at 39.85, trying to remain over forty dollars. Gold new low for the move here, down 820 at 1860. 186020 and silver oh getting hit again down over 3% 3.35% that's 76 and a half cents at 22.335 bitcoin just hanging out in the middle of between 10,000 and 11,000 futures are up $185 at 10,465 and you know just look at the bitcoin Dennis and just talking about that yeah. you know, it just seems like when the futures got in there and the boys got in there to start doing some Arbin, then you've seen a lot less shenanigans when you know when you got uh, the full margin contract in the Arb. What do you think about it? I think that? what's fully happened, yeah, and it has thickened up. There's no doubt that Bitcoin has thickened up. But what I think would surprise a lot of crypto, um, it, they've been telling us how this is an alternative asset and not linked and not related to securities whatsoever. But then you start putting the charts on each other and you're like, Market goes down, it seems like Bitcoin kind of goes down. Market goes up, it kind of seems like Bitcoin goes up. And I still say we were proven that Bitcoin is not as good as we thought it was when this whole 
uh, COVID thing started. It was the environment where Bitcoin was going to take off to 100,000. It was going to be in an environment where the Fed was going to print in limitless money to try to take us out of a pandemic. People were going to hide their money in Bitcoin because they were scared. And it didn't happen. It didn't materialize. Bitcoin actually went down during the pandemic. And that's why, you know what? I'm just not interested in it. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is. I thought that it would get the pop back in February, March, and it did not. And that proved to me that Bitcoin's not as good as everybody thinks it is. Yeah, so exactly. I'm just kind of done with it. Yeah, I you were looking. Should I not? When I should I do uh, the for, What was that from Wolf of Wall Street, Spencer? Fergozi, Fergozi. <laughs> Remember the Matthew McConaughey scene in the beginning of the movie? I tweeted it yesterday, too. Fugazi? What? Fugazi? Is it Fugazi? like oh it's just butter it's just nothing <laughs> that's bitcoin it's just whatever it is it's numbers it's digital numbers on a screen i mean you could say oh yeah well it's u.s dollars is just you know paper money printed on paper but you know what that paper money is getting bid up when this market is going down the flight to quality wasn't to bitcoin nope, it's to the u.s dollar and look at what the u.s dollar has done since we started going down it starts to go straight up. People fly into US dollars for safety. They don't fly into Bitcoin for safety. So everybody who thinks that Bitcoin is a safety trade, I believe have been proven wrong in the last six months. You know what? And uh, it's just, you know, we we're looking at it to be a non-correlated asset. And it is. And it is, it, and it is correlated. It, yeah. it doesn't do, and, and, and it's just digital numbers on the screen. And I still think if it can't go up in this environment, what's gonna be in the environment that takes it higher? That's why I don't want to own Bitcoin. So I don't want to own Bitcoin. And I don't know what I want to own here right now because <laughs> you, let's take this to the overall market. I, I said actually about 20 minutes ago, I feel like we're going to start rolling over. I and I this like, is cool. I'm like, I'm shocked that we're flat. Like this is the kind of day what's happened is everybody got hammered again yesterday. And everybody's like the bulls. And I see it in my Twitter stream. Well, we're still holding the lows. The SPY didn't make a new low, 321.73. We're right there. We bounced yep. off that low yesterday. We closed almost on those lows. And don't kid yourself, they're getting taken out today. So I'm there saying they're getting taken out. They're getting taken out right now, and they're getting taken out today. And it's going to be another ugly day, at least at the open. We see this again and again and again. The two-day move, the follow-through from an ugly day follows through the next morning. That's the two-day move. That's what we see materializing here right now. Then usually what you see is the buy the dippers come in 30, 20 to 30 minutes after the open, the market starts to stabilize, and then you might find some buyers. But everybody who's licking their chops that this, you know, I got to get in, I got to get in. Well, you know what? In the last month, have you been buying any dip? You've been losing money. And this is new. This is new to a lot of people because the people who have been starting in March, if they're buying any dip or making money, so they're still expecting that, well, it's going to come back eventually. You know, Dave Portnoy, stocks only go up. If you hold long enough, they come back. Sometimes, and maybe that's true, but they can really get ugly here too. And people who were in in January really felt that in February and March that, hey, you know, stocks can really get hammered. The problem I have with this market right now, people ask me, are I buying the dip? The problem, you know, is we've broken trend on so many stocks and that's concerning because there's so many momentum algorithms. There's so many traders that just trade on momentum. There's so many traders that just trade on technicals. And we've broken trend. And until we can, you know, reclaim, you know, and, and, and I guess it depends how you draw your trend, but it's starting to look like, I don't care how you draw that S&P line. 
Joel, you look at that second <laughs> shirt up there. It. it sure as hell looks like we broke trend. <laughs> uh, well, there's a just we're looking at the S and P here, but one thing I noticed, uh, you know, obviously the tech, you know, came off really hard, right, initially, and then it tried to bounce. But those days when we were trying to bounce, they just weren't bouncing. You know, like they, especially on that Fed day, I can't remember how high we got up, but they really, when uh, last Wednesday, they got us pretty good in the green. And I'm looking, Apple's down a buck. Microsoft is down a buck. Amazon's down 25 bucks. So we've lost our leadership in the market. The stocks that got us here, they're, they're broken. I mean, Apple has a date with 100, maybe even 95 to fill the gap from earnings and then the ridiculous run up uh, from the split. Um, you look at Microsoft. I mean, that thing just was going up every day. Now you're going to lose 200 today. 196 is critical there. You got a double bottom. Um, Amazon, you know, it popped after earnings, but didn't get to a new all-time high. Uh, this is it's losing uh, another support level today. Two lows in the same area. Google, the same. We never talk about Google. We really, very, I mean, there it is, three, four hundred. It doesn't move high. much. I mean, well, I guess it has in the last, you know, but I mean, it seems like it's, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm wrong because it's went from 1700 to 1400. Maybe we should talk about Google more. But, and obviously from a dollar's perspective, it moves around. But a lot, yeah. it's not as volatile as, as some of the other tech, which is surprising. But I don't know. I like Google. I like all those companies you just mentioned. I own yeah, Apple, no, I own Google, exactly. I own Microsoft. I own Amazon. Am I selling those? No, I'm holding on to them. But if you're loaded up on margin on these things as a trade, it can get a lot uglier. And I think it's going to. So am I coming in and backing up the truck and buying dips because this is the buying opportunity of a lifetime? No, no because sentiment has turned. Sentiment has turned. And maybe this is the time, you know, where we should be turning around and buying, you know, and it's hard. It's hard to buy on the dips, you know, but if we were just dipping, I would say, and, and this is why, you know, I was trying to buy the dip a week and a half ago, and I was proven wrong on a lot of stocks because now the dip, which was holding trend still, is now broken. So now you got trend broken. You've got the market trading at a really high multiple. Our stocks are relatively very, very expensive, the most expensive they've been in years. And you've got a pandemic still that we don't have a handle on, and you have the uncertainty of who's going to be the president. And if it does go Democrat, if it does go Biden, Biden has already said, you know, his focus is going to be on Main Street, not Wall Street. And that could mean a lot of you know, different things, but not good for the markets, in my a opinion. A lot of uncertainty out there. A lot yeah. of uncertainty. And they didn't I... care about that a month ago. And people are going to argue, well, they don't care about that stuff. They don't care about that stuff until they start to care about that stuff. You know what? This market started to care. Yeah, uh, one more stock just, uh, you know, to get hit parade, uh, Tesla. Let's just talk about that. And battery day continuing lower here. Uh, there was one of your market leaders and another market leader bites the dust. I mean, well, not bite the dust, but looks like this thing, I, I talked about 370 yesterday. It looks like uh, we want to go test that low at 330. So you lose your leadership. That, that's what happens in the markets. But, we need to uh, gain, regain it. And then you start, the way to play it is watch the leaders, let them lead, and then buy the laggards when, you know, and, and, and I'm saying the laggard tech stocks because they don't all go up at the same time. So, I mean, until Tesla starts to turn it around, you know, it, it's been the leader on this the whole time. I don't care, you know, what people say. 
Tesla led the charge. It started the day before the market on the sell-off. If we go back way to the beginning of September when this whole cra- uh, when this whole rollover started, Tesla was a day ahead of Apple, Amazon, and all of them. It gave you a day, and it led the charge down. And then it came back, and it led the comeback. And we were holding on until Battery Day two days ago. And now all of a sudden, they're selling everything. They started selling Tesla again. Tesla led. Tesla was ahead. The Nas Tesla was down. 20 bucks and the NASDAQ was shrugging it off. Well, the savvy traders were saying that's not going to hold up. If Tesla stays down and continues to go down, the whole market's going to roll over and it has. Why? You know, you can say, well, Tesla's even part of the S&P. That's bullshit. Well, it's not (laughs) because Tesla is the sentiment leader. Tesla is like this whole FOMO. Tesla leads the FOMO. So you have the FOMO trade that's driven everything. It wasn't rational like cheap stocks driving the last market. The cheap stocks stayed cheap. They didn't even participate. It was FOMO. FOMO is what drove the whole market up in August. And it's now FOLO that is actually bringing it down. And that's the fear of losing out. And they're losing money here now. So, I mean, until Tesla turns around and, you know, maybe it does on a dime, I can't get interested in the market. And... Tesla, obviously, you know, its valuation is just nuts. So who knows? If Tesla continues to show weakness, it's hard to get excited. I mean, I started trying to buy the dip on Rocket. Look where that got me. I'm in a 24. It's 20 bucks. I mean, that's a, that's a cool little 20% fall in price. Is it coming back to 24 anytime soon? Nope. Do I like the company? Yes. Do I believe in the company long term? Yes. But does that mean it has to stop going down? No. Don't be on margin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, S&Ps, we're, we're, we dipped. We got, we got near the low of the day or the low of the night, uh, 32.10. And then uh, and we had a little little pop up here. So not, not too bad. Let's see if we can get green on the session. I think that will be the big goal. See if we can get above uh, 32, 31.25. and a quarter. That was your closing price from yesterday. Uh, Mr. Israel lurking in the background there. Uh, do you want to take controls here and, uh, and, and talk well, about I, I, individual I stocks? To, I to, yeah, I do. Uh, let me just piggyback uh, one thought on, on what Dennis said, and, and that is that uh, it was so easy from like May to, I guess, now or a few weeks ago, right? A month ago. It was so easy. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to resist the temptation of thinking that you're such a genius when you pull up your account and every position is green, right? You've got like nothing that you're down in. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to, to look at that and say, oh, uh, and, and not say, oh, this is because I'm so smart. I'm such a great investor. And um, that's, and I, I had to fight that urge myself, you know, it's like I, basically everything that I bought in the last year, right. was um, green in more or less. Right. I eventually I got, you know, got to that point by the time we got to July or August and it's, it, you know, so it's not that easy. And I think this is, this is a reminder of that. And, and I think that's a good thing. So that, it is a good thing. Awesome. Um, I, it's me in 1997. I started in the stock market in 1996, or I think it was 1996, actually. But by 1997, I had in my mind that I was a stock market god. I knew (laughs) everything. I never had losing trades. I looked at my account. I'm up in everything. Why? 
1999, it only reiterated those feelings because I was like, I am awesome. I buy these stocks and they pull back and come back. I buy a little bit more. I was buying the dip back then. And, you know, I was in all these stocks and I was like, I'm awesome. I just am really good at stock investing. I, I hardly lose. And you know what? I wasn't. I knew nothing. But the market was just going straight up and everybody was making money. So I was not, it was not me extracting alpha from the market. I was just benefiting from the uptake. And that is what everybody has had here in the last four months, especially people who have just started. They think they're awesome, but I'm sorry to say, you are me in 1998. And when I started Bright Trading in 1999, and I sat down beside 25 professional traders that have been doing this for years, I realized that I was so uninformed I literally knew nothing. I was like a kid and I was, I was 22 then, but I, this is because I did my CFA and just because, you know, I, I graduated from business and finance. I you thought didn't have I, your I knew CFA yet when you came. I, well, I, I was, I was work. Yeah. Cause I had the work experience I needed. Right. right. So I'm, just because, okay. So I didn't even have a CFA at that point in time. I didn't get till 2002, but I thought I was awesome. And I realized quickly that, holy cow, everybody in this room knows so much more than me. And then, you know, I started to learn. I started to figure stuff out. And I lucked out because I realized I knew nothing. And remember that, you know, me talking about my trading on my second week of bright trading, I lost on 18 trades in a row. How the hell do you lose on 18 trades in a row? It's 50-50, really. You buy or you sell short. I mean, you're guessing wrong on 18 trades in a row. You suck. So... And I, I realized quickly that, holy cow, I need to relearn everything because I didn't know anything before. I need to stop just thinking that stocks only go up. I need to stop just thinking, you know, all this mentality that I can just pull letters out of a hat and buy them and the stocks will go up. You need to stop thinking about that because that stuff is just bogus. It's not the way the real world works. So learning, you know, learning it all. Um, I took, you know, obviously I took my time, you know, I went down to trading only a hundred shares of Bray trading and I was like trying to learn. I learned and learned and learned over the next little while. And then that better prepared me for what was to come. And in 2000 and 2001, we know everybody who thought they were geniuses got murdered. And by 2002, they never touched the stock again. You, you, you really, that the, uh, the, the tech meltdown really, I mean, we, you know, in, in that bright office, I mean, we, we crushed it. And I think you learned, you know, so much in that. And then you traded through nine 11 too. Yeah. And that was a really wild situation. Well, I had never shorted a stock. I know. I had never shorted a stock coming in when I started Bray trading. I was long only like every other trader that starts prop, you know, very few retail traders short stocks. It's like 10% only. So, I mean, there's a whole nother market. And then I realized, holy cow, it's so much easier making money shorting stocks than it's buying because they go up like, a, you know, an elevator or up, up like an escalator and down like an elevator. And, you know, and, you know, and we made money. And 2001 was my best year ever. And then if I look at my years, I actually do very well. Not so much that I'm short stocks. It's because I take advantage of market inefficiencies. And people don't understand this when I say this. I don't make money making calls. I don't make my living saying, I think the stock's going to go here. I think the stock's going to go there. I make my money from inefficiencies. You know, a clear example of an inefficiency? Yesterday when I talked about the Sintas trade, CTAS, it's somebody's bidding it up 23 points ahead of the report. That's dumb money. <laughs> That's the definition of dumb money. 
They're bidding it up by the straddle before it reports. Imagine if they would have missed. The stock blew it away and it ended up in the red. Imagine if they would have missed. The stock could have been down huge. So they gave away all of the, of the projected gain from the straddle before it had even reported because they had it in their head that it was going to really blow it away. And it's going to go up more than the straddle. That is dumb money. You short dumb money. So, you know, when that's somebody's bidding 347, I'm sorry if the person who's bidding 347 is listening, but you have a hard lesson to learn. Don't pay up the amount of the straddle before the report. I will hit that every single day and twice on Sunday if, I, if the markets were open on Sunday. So it's inefficiencies like that that I'm looking for. We're looking for dumb money to trade against. That's the truth. And, the, and, and there's lots of other inefficiencies we talk about all the time, like the Tesla tell. I was just talking about that earlier. Two days earlier, two days earlier, it started to fall down. It was a tell to get the hell out of some tech stocks because Tesla's rolling over. And they get, did it again, battery day. They did it again. Tesla rolled over the day before battery day and the Nasdaq said, we don't need Tesla. All of a sudden, the market needs Tesla. What's Tesla doing today? It's down another 10. It's dragging the market with it. Tesla turns around, you turn around, you start buying the market. But looking to where the leaders are allows you to get ahead of the flow because those money managers out there, they don't know what the hell they're doing either. This is right, you know, like it, it's, it's nobody knows. And I've really went on a rant here. Yeah, you nobody did. knows is... where the hell the market's going 24 hours from now. But I can predict from little inefficiencies where the market's going five minutes from now. And that's the difference. And that's why I'm consistently profitable in my day trading account. I don't know where the market's going to be 24 hours from now. Nobody knows. I don't know where the market's going to be 24 days from now or 24 months from now. Nobody knows. You can guess it's probably eventually going to be higher 24 years from now. I would hope so. And that's why I invest because I think the market's going to be up 24 years from now. But it's hard to predict 24 minutes from now, let alone 24 hours from now. So somebody says, oh, the market's going to be you know, doing this or doing that. Nobody really knows. It's educated guesses. And nobody knows. Remember and what there's Eddie a lot of said? people who think they know everything and they know nothing. Remember what Eddie said about the markets and Eddie Franco, who started Bright Trading. He was trading. a genius, by the way. Yeah. With, a real uh, genius, like a deserved genius, Eddie right. Franco. Um, he, and he worked with, uh, uh, who's the, uh, Petterf Petterfi or Petterfi? From Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers. He was with all those original was another genius. guys. Yeah, another genius. And I remember him saying that you can only predict the market seven minutes out. That That's that about is, right. Yeah. Yep. And you know what? I've never, I never even heard that. I never heard Eddie say that. But that's about right. That? That's about right. You can yep. only predict the market seven minutes out. And what do you think Citadel, who, you know, and Virtue Financial, seven do you seconds. think they're making calls and saying, oh, we think this is, they might be doing that a little bit on the side. You know where their bread and butter is? The spread. The spread. They're making the spread. Penny you see, they're sitting there making the spread. And that's where their bread and butter is. Citadel's not thinking, oh, we think this stock's going higher and we're like the chart and we look at a cup and handle and we <laughs> yeah. think it's going higher. They're making $0 off of that strategy. They're making it on the spread. And they're making it because they can predict it. They don't have to predict it seven minutes out. They can predict it seven seconds out exactly. or seven milliseconds out. Obviously, you know, with all the order flow that they're seeing, they can get a really good feel, a better feel than we can. And the algorithms are, you know, sweet algorithms and they've done a good job with it. And that's why those companies continue to make money every single day. Um, but I, I totally agree with that. 
you can predict the market seven minutes out, but when you start going further than that, it's hard. I mean, I like the two-day move. I like to think, you know, that there's, you know, and I try to play that a little bit. I like to predict it the next day. I think there's something to it, but it's definitely not 100%. But Dennis, you're watching the order flow. Dennis, you're watching the order flow from 4 p.m. until 8 p.m. And, and yeah. with the futures already up. So you're already looking at, you're, you're, you're giving a forward look at the early action. Of course, a lot of different things can happen, follow through or, you know, reversals, but it, you know, that's one thing. And order flow used to be, you know, uh, you know, reading the tape used to be much more of an art than it is, but um, great rant. I just thought, Dennis, I know you're going to be trading a lot of SPI today. <laughs> and uh, I just want to know uh, what you, uh, where's it going, Dennis? Where's SPI going today? Fugazi. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows where SPI is going. This is the definition of a bubble. I mean, you get people and they're like, oh, this is where I got to trade. I'm going to trade this SPI thing. This is going to the casino and putting on red or black. That's all it is. And I'm going to get in this thing. I want to get ahead of the next big retail thing. I'm gonna, this, is, this is one of these every other day. And, you know, it, where is it going from here? I can tell you where it's going six months from now. So you, maybe you can predict the market out further. But, you know, can you make money on it? Probably not. But it's probably eventually going back to where it came from six months from now when all this, you know, it's just like Kodak. It's like all of these things. These are the kind of stocks you lose money on. I don't trade this kind of stuff. You know why? Because I traded this kind of stuff. I, this is what I started with in 96. Nice. This is what everybody starts with. It's sexy. I want to trade what's moving up. I want to get rich fast. Everybody who tries to get rich fast, there's one person in a thousand that might do it, and there's 999 that don't, and you'll only hear on Twitter about the one person in a thousand that did it. Here's what I would say when, around SPI, and then I'll throw it to Joel. Uh, and okay. I, I would basically do what Joel would say, and Joel has just have key numbers in the back of your head. And I'll ask Joel what those numbers are, but have numbers. They're important. Numbers. The open, the close. The high, the low, these are important numbers. Have them in the back of your head. So, Joel. Yeah. If you, if I, this you thing were, can go anywhere. Right. I mean, I'm just looking at It's starting to tighten up a little bit. It's not as crazy as it was yesterday. But you opened up this morning at 14.02, and then you went straight up, and someone said, ah, 30, you're not going over 30, 29.50. So between 14 and 30, ah, man. I, I don't, I don't have no idea where this is going. Looking at the fifteen-minute chart, and, and nobody this is does. Where, yeah, if you're good at trading shorter-term charts and you have great risk-reward ratio, I never look at anything less than a fifteen-minute. And so, you know, on the fifteen-minute, you can say, yeah, they're supported eighteen. But it's winding up. It's going to be tighter today. It's not going to be the same kind of range that it had yesterday. Uh, but I would just use the outliers there. And if you're long it, throw an offer out there. And if it turns, try and sell it. Get, there's liquidity out there. This thing went absolutely bonkers in volume yesterday. So there's, you know, don't be a deer in headlights. I mean, obviously, if you get stopped in a halt, how many times was it halted yesterday, Spencer? It's seven or eight, I think. Yeah, you get stopped in a halt. Three. 171,000 traded on Tuesday, 348 million yesterday. There'll be some good volume in it today, but don't, you know, if you get, if you get, if you do a good, you got two, three good trades in this, just be careful because there's one that's going to potentially in a halt, wipe out all those earnings and more. So I, it's, uh, 
hands off on that one. 14 to 30. I'm going wide on that one, guys. A little 15-minute support at 18.20. Uh, seven minutes to our guest, Peter Chur, coming on, who was a little leery of buying a dip uh, last week. I know there's a lot of ratings changes. Are there any significant earnings that we need to talk um, about? Not, not so much. I mean, there are a couple that, that we could discuss. Uh, this if you want. I, I mean... I, I, I do want to go to Penn before we go there. Oh, uh, sure. This is the just, stock of the day. Uh, they did file for a, a common stock offering of 14 million shares. Um, I, I would love to see a stat of just how many offerings there have been in the last three, so many. three four months. It, so it many. feels like there's been well, I know what I was gonna at say. least one or two a day. Um, but this is the uh, this is the news on Penn today. So they're, they're getting uh, a downgrade, but I, I think the move is more – Related it's to offering. this offering, this problems. Uh, I thought the stock was going to a hundred. I'm pulling that today. Obviously, the stock's down nine, six bucks. I'm not selling it when it's down six bucks. This pulls back to sixty four, sixty five. I'll likely sell it. I'm in a fifty two. Um, I'm not selling at six bucks in the hole. I will look to rallies to sell out of this now, and that's the difference now. I'm looking at you know stuff getting hit hard. Some of your leaders getting hit hard. This is broken now. This broke today with the offering. We've seen this happen with space, SPCE, not comparing Penn to space whatsoever. Um, but, you know, and I do like the story, and I honestly still like the story in space too. I use the rallies in space to lighten up that position. I have a very small spec left in that. But, you know, last time it was $25. Space did the offering. It never recovered from it. Um, we've seen this time and time again. The stocks do the offerings, and they don't seem to recover well at all. What's the um, price? Do we have a price on that pen off? No, they just announced it. They take time on those. I, I highly doubt there's a price already. Maybe tomorrow we'll get one or the next So day. let's say it comes out at 60. I mean, that becomes a magnet down to it. But you will see people trying to buy the dip on this thing today. And because it's pen, and maybe Portnoy will give it some love and say, you know, because he pumps his stock, and this is the one he obviously is a big part of. Um, if this thing gets up to 64, 65, 66, I think it's a sell. So I'm going to be looking for strength to sell this thing into because I think it could go lower. Uh, you know what? Just going back to your original rant and I, going back, I know you hope I don't start you on another 20-minute one. but um, I think it was well, a good one. It was. It was. We got a lot of con- – I'm just joking with you, Dennis. Um, you Some people hate me. my rants. You yelled at me on the pre-pre-market show, but I'm getting over it. Okay. Uh, I want to do – put one, <laughs> one in the chat if you like the rants, two in the chat they if you love hate it. the rants. One – one is you like the rants. Two, you hate the ramps. If they're all twos, I'll never do a rant again. Dennis, Dennis, I need to Dennis. know. I need to know. One, you like it. Two, you don't like it. Joel put a bunch of ones. Hey, Joel, finish, your, finish your point, though. Joel, finish your point. Uh, we talked about Warren, and I know a lot of people. Okay, it's a lot of ones, so I'm going to continue to rant <laughs> <laughs> we talked there's, about there's what a few people putting more than more than once though voting so <laughs> jason just put jason, it i'm sorry there. i'm sorry about the rant jason <laughs> that's jason rasnick um <laughs> no we talked about what warren's doing and warren buffett and what's he been doing he's been liquidating yes he he's been doing it the whole time up that go, that boy's a smart puppy he, yeah he, he yep. may be smarter than dave portnoy because remember, Dave keeps saying he's smarter than Warren Buffett is, but I don't know about that. That's Warren Buffett. He's a pretty smart. Uh, that was people. just another thing. I'm, all right, but that is overwhelming ones there. Oh, right back to the lows of the session here. What happened? Jobless claims. How was yeah, I sleeping on jobless I'm claims? Holy sleepy. sleepy. Oh, I was listening to you rent, Dennis. We just got that figure at eight thirty. So the uh, estimate 
was for uh, 840,000 uh, claims filed last week. The actual number was 870,000 claims. Uh, that is so above the estimate and above last week's number of 860. So we uh, worse than expected weekly jobless claims number. And there you go. Bill, Bill lives in Florida, so he said he can vote more than once, Dennis. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. That was a great one. A little right. dip, a little dip to 0875, and now we're back at 3213. So not a good uh not a good jobless claims number. Uh, it's not I mean, a good market today again. I mean, we're down 12 handles on the S&P, and that is generous because I am seeing stocks assassinated. Like tech stocks, the techs are obviously down more, but I'm trying to like find stocks that are only down 1%. I mean, you look at the Qs, they're down 1%, and then you look at, you can just start going across the board. Apple's down 1.6, and Amazon's only down 1%, but there is um, just a ton Obviously, Penn Gaming, which we were going to talk about in a second. I don't think Joel ever gave us levels yeah, on that, I don't which know I need those levels. You. This is tough because I don't know the price. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the price is going to be probably 60 bucks. <laughs> it's a nice round number, and it could end up being lower. There's not that many people excited to do the pen. And then that becomes like a magnet. So nothing hurts stocks more than dilution. And it's smart of Penn, really. From a fundamental perspective, it's smart. If you don't care about your stock price, because it's going to knock the hell out of it, it's smart to do to sell high, and that's what they're trying to do. I mean, they probably missed it by a few days. If they would have been doing this when the stock oh, was going yeah. straight up, but they did it when the stock had turned. And it topped out like for four days, and obviously it should have been looking closer at this, but it gave you three, four shots of 75, and that was the selling signal. I had it put in the long-term account because I was like, had this hole in my head that AMD is going to 100 and Penn's going to 100. And you know what? They're not going to. Yeah, you said not that. Not anytime soon. You said that too. I know you're hundred things. I wish I should write that down because uh, and I, you were eventually. I'm over two on those. Well, no, on uh, you were you were originally on uh square, but I think it did get right to a hundred. So I can remember one of your hundred rants that uh that it turned around, but you recognize it. I mean, you just, you know, you go with the momentum of the market, you identify something, you get a number in your head and, but you change your opinion. I mean, that's, I think that's one thing when people listen to I your rants to. and everything, Dennis changes his styles constantly, right? To the different to, to, market to what environments. The yeah, I do. Yeah. And that's, you know, led to, you know, multitude of success. It, 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 well, and also is why I suck at investing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I try not to look at it, but I look at it too much. I was doing better when I never looked at it. So you got to like separate it somehow. But I, I, I sell out too early because I'm always like, oh, here's the turn. And I'm right for like three or four days. And then all of a sudden, you know, the market starts turning back up. And it's like, you look at it six months from now, you're like, why did I sell? So, all right, let's turn things over to Spencer here. All right, we've got our guest here, uh, Peter Trur. He is the head of macro strategy at Academy Securities. Peter, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? We're doing okay. Better than this market, I suppose. Uh, I reached out to you because I, I saw something you wrote called my eye the other day. Don't be a hero. Don't buy the dip. Uh, I assume nothing has changed in the last two days as far as that, that mindset? No, if anything, I've probably become a little bit more bearish because you know, there was all this chatter how – People have been, you know, big outflows out of QQQ, et cetera. All those reversed on Monday and Tuesday. You saw big inflows into that, big inflows into TQQQ. So feel like we've actually kind of set up that there's been a whole new slew of buy the dippers 
who are now underwater on those trades. And I think you're going to see further and further pullback. And part of my view has been that we're not going to get the stimulus, which looks true. And I think the economic data is taking a turn for the worse because I see a lot of problems below the surface and those are going to start bubbling through. Such as what? So I think when we had 12% unemployment, you know, back in March or April, people were ignoring the fact that people were getting an extra $600, that most of those people had a very strong conviction that they would be hired back in the coming weeks or months. I think now, if you look at the average unemployed person, they lost jobs that were paying more. They've been unemployed for longer. It's less clear they're coming back and they're not getting the money. So I think that is going to start filtering into the economic data where you see weaker spending and today's jobless reports another one, right? Why are we still getting so many jobless claims? It's not because we're closing down. It's because per businesses are making more permanent decisions. So I think all of that is going to be hard for stocks to do well. And people, I think, forget how much of that stimulus money did go into companies that were big tech in terms of not just buying the stocks, but also buying things online. If that diminishes, the valuations are very difficult to support. Talk about the, the fund flows for a second, because I, I look at those too, but we don't talk about them too frequently on our show. Uh, how do you look at fund flows? What signals do you look at and, and what does it tell you? You know, so I look a lot at the ETF flows just because it's the most timely information. And again, we've been seeing this real skew towards the Qs, right? So everything's been NASDAQ 100. And even when you look at overnight trading and the futures side, NASDAQ 100 futures were doing better every day than the S&P futures. And I think it's a much thinner market. So it, it had to absorb these flows it couldn't. I particularly watched the triple leverage ones, the TQQQ, which has received good inflows, because that has this daily rebalancing mechanism and it tends to be self-reinforcing. So on up days to rebalance for the next day, TQQQ has to buy more Qs. On down days, it has to sell some. So I think we're gonna see a bigger unwind. I think we're gonna see all those buyers come in and reverse. And that's going to put the pressure and it's going to be very NASDAQ 100. I'm not quite as concerned as the broad market. To me, it's the NASDAQ 100 that's going to bear the brunt of the pain. So you, you almost look at flows into these levered funds as like a leading indicator. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think of them really as a tip of the iceberg, right? It's whatever's going on in there isn't telling the full story, but I think you can expect that it's reflective of what is going on in everyone's portfolio. Well, the other side of that though, is that these are trading uh, AKA hedging instruments. Uh, so maybe the flows don't necessarily indicate people's true uh, uh, point of view. You know, it's, I, I think that's probably right, but I think at the margin, what's gonna affect us for the next two weeks is, do we start seeing more inflows or do we get outflows? Because it's going to be that marginal flow that dictates the next step in the market. And I think that next marginal flow is gonna be more selling pressure. And one other thing I think that's been really important is when I look at this, probably at a more institutional level, but no hedge is working. So for the last two weeks, if you bought gold, that's not working as a hedge. If you bought treasuries, that's not working as a hedge. And a lot of people, and this is going to get a little bit wonky, but they were buying options ahead of the election. But people wanted to buy November and December options. And those have not even performed very well because people were buying S&P and the VIX was very skewed. So... November, December, VIX was much higher than spot. So I think if you bought stocks and think you had a hedge on and that hedge doesn't work, you're now sitting here, maybe I've got to sell my stocks. Yeah. And you've observed something that we've observed, everyone's observed, is this overnight buyer uh, and the overnight buying activity or buyers, I should say, uh, hasn't been around. I don't know where they went. 
Right, it disappeared. And to me, it always struck me as weird that so much of the over buying was occurring overnight and was so focused on the NASDAQ 100. There wasn't enough news to justify it. So whether someone had a big position they were cleaning up or someone wanted to move markets around and chose to do it in that overnight session, I, I, I'm dubious of what was going on. And that to me is another reason to think that we're probably set up for more selling during the day session because that buyer has gone and you're not kind of waking up to these you know, green futures every morning, which was encouraging people to buy. We're on the line with Peter Chur from Academy Securities. So, so what would change your mantra here? I mean, we have uncertainty with the election, uh, civil unrest, uh, obviously COVID-19. I mean, you know, is it something in the technicals that you're looking at or is it something in the fundamentals? Or I mean, because you're coming into the rockiest periods of the year, September, October, you have an election in November. Are you just going to SO8 sit on hands to the end of the year? Is there a key technical level or fair value? Where's the fair value in the S&P? You know, I think I'm going to start with the technical level. So I'm going to focus on the NASDAQ 100 because I really think that's been what's driving every other market. So that's been the key. I'm going to start okay. looking at the 100-day moving average, which I think is uh, 10,491. That's the first point I think I would even consider buying. And in this market where it's very algo driven, we tend to gravitate and get, you know, those moving averages tend to act as an anchor. I'm not sure we can get to the 200 day, which I think that's 9,500. So that would be a much further drop. So I'm not going to load the boat up, but at the 100 day moving average, I think that would be a very tradable bounce. So aside from the NASDAQ, though, is there, are there any other areas that, that you're watching, you know, maybe even though you don't like the NASDAQ now, maybe you do like these other areas in the market right now? Yeah, I think we're supposed to be watching even just some dividend stocks, right? If you think about the amount of time people spend saying you got to chase yield, got to chase yield, yet dividend stocks remain well below their June highs. I'm constructive actually on the banks. I think banks can be surprising. I actually like commercial real estate. And because they're so beaten up, I think they offer the value. How do you and- like commercial real estate, Peter? I mean, come on. There's going to be vacancies. <laughs> People are working from home. Not everyone's buying stuff online. Tell me why you like commercial real estate. So my view has been that we are going to head to away from the work from home. We're going to go to some sort of hub and spoke or satellite office concept. So I don't love owning real estate in the big cities, but I do think you'll see real estate moving, you know, being used in different ways, right? You've already seen Rackspace, for example, a few months ago, I think, made their headquarters in a mall. Amazon's talking about it. If you look at the mall space, it's actually ideally set up to become office space because it tends to be ma- you know, set up f- with uh, major thoroughfares or arteries mm-hmm. right by it, parking. So I think you're going to see a shift in how we utilize real estate space. Um, and the work from home, which I like, I think we kind of all have got used to it. Companies, I think, are very reluctant to keep work from home. One, they feel a lack of control over their employees, particularly their more junior employees. And on a, you know, another note, I think we're just one cyber hack away from people realizing they've expanded their internet security issues, right? You've created a much more broad and more difficult control cyber attack space. So I think you could see something on the cyber front that causes people to say, whoa, whoa, work from home has gone a little bit too far. So that's why I think commercial real estate, again, if it wasn't down 60%, it's a different story. It's just so beaten up. That's where I look. And next year, you know, I was trying to be positive about one thing because I hate to be too bearish. I think next year we do see fiscal stimulus. I see, I think we see stimulus to build back a manufacturing base here. So I think that's going to be very good for a lot of the country. Also, we didn't even mention that we're only three weeks away, if you can believe it, from the next 
real start of the earnings season, right? The banks report in like three and a half weeks. So there's also that to have on our radar. Um, kind of snuck up on us here. All right. Uh, Peter Chur is the head of macro strategy from Academy Securities, mostly bearish, but giving us some things to feel good about right now. Um, saying not to, not to be a hero, not to buy the dip. Uh, and I appreciate those thoughts. Peter, thanks a lot for the time today. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. Uh, let's go to what else was on our list. I want to make sure we cover stuff before we go to ticker time and in the chat. There is, Joel, to your point, there was a couple of earnings this morning. We had, uh, sure. We had Rite Aid, uh, Darden Restaurants, and I saw Blackberry. How's Darden doing? If Darden's in the green, I'm going to be surprised. It is. Oh, wow. Okay. It's Good. a little bit of the rotation of value we're still seeing this morning. I think it rolls over on everything. But you're seeing money, okay, I got to get out of tech. What am I going to buy? What am I going to buy? I think that's those people by 10 o'clock are going to be like, oh, I shouldn't have been buying Darden up to two and a half bucks. But, I mean, they want to buy something. We saw them buying Sintas yesterday at the, in the pre-market, and we saw how that worked out. Uh, I'd be careful buying any stock going up right now, not even like, and, and you know, perfectly what Peter just said on the last segment, no hedge is working right now. And if you think you're going to be safe in Darden restaurants, I think you're wrong. Okay. Uh, just trading at the highs of the pre-market session. We just hit 93 bucks. Uh, nice rally here. I would just go uh, to my dailies and see if that 93 uh, coincides with anything on the dailies. What do you have here? Two highs in the same area. Where's that at? That's at 93. Okay, there we go. 93.07, 93.010. Two highs from 17th and 18th of the month. Uh, Kissed it there. Get through there. Prove me wrong. You're going to 95, but that looks like pretty good resistance to me. S&P's just ticked 0150. Uh, 02 even was our low on July 27th, trying to get a little bounce here. Is this moving any of the other restaurant stocks or pretty much individual? I don't think so. No. There, there is stock still hanging on, and they're mostly the defensive stocks. I'm seeing okay. you know, some of the XLP components are in the green. I'm seeing some of the utilities trying to trade green. Goldman Sachs is trading green and got an upgrade today. I mean, it, there is some stocks. Clorox is in the green. You can see kind of what they're, they think they're hiding in. I think they're wrong. I think that stuff rolls over, too. Interestingly, uh, BlackBerry just reported their best quarter from an earnings per share standpoint since the last quarter of 2018. So, and a pop, but it's BlackBerry. And what do we do on BlackBerry pops? Well, it's already, it's, it's what already do we do when BlackBerry it, pops? It's already off the high. I don't think. Well, that's what I'm saying. Okay, right. so so it's given away. We sell when BlackBerry pop. I don't even know. I didn't even, first time bringing it up this morning. Well, how high did it get? I 40. Yeah, that's a sell. 540, <laughs> 530, 520. Blackberry, sell. That's my opinion. Okay. All right. All All right. Like uh, a couple of. You know what I'm looking at is interesting. Holy mackerel, somebody wants out of Nike today. So, Nike, they had to buy yesterday morning. You've got to buy Nike. This is a stock. It's like 133, 134. And then it closed not that strong and now it's all of a sudden down two dollars and there's two hundred and sixty nine thousand shares to sell nike here at the open which stands out like a sore thumb against oh, every that, other imbalance today. who would put that order in dennis somebody would, wants the hell out you know where the projected opening for nike is right now let me guess let me and, guess. and, the, the, and obviously there's gonna be buyers that come in it's not gonna open down here guess what the projected opening is uh 110 100 bucks it's not opening $100. Don't worry. Buy it. It's not. 
It's not going to open at a hundred dollars. It's could open like one twenty two or one twenty three though. So yeah, depending you know on what? what the market does. I'm a little disappointed in myself because this was up 15 and it was trading really strong and it was holding 131. And so I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to pick on this one. You know, there's a buyer popping it up and you can even see it here. This is where we were talking about it on the show. It was all this congestion here. And I'm like, okay, it's holding here. I'm going to take it off my screen. And then, Reality came in the open. Where do you go? You go to a, where did you open at in, uh, in Nike? Did you, have you had to open up near the high of the session here? Let me take a look at the data window. You opened one thirty twenty two. You went up 16 cents. So if you bought that open, you had to get the heck out very quickly. Once you came back down through one thirty twenty two, I mean, yeah, nothing. You could have just, you know, went and walked the dog or something. It and all a, the pure plays got hit. Yeah, that Foot Locker was up. I couldn't. Oh yeah, all the pure plays got hit. They a lot of them closed red. Look at Foot Locker; it was up at thirty-six. That was a selling opportunity. So everybody who is thinking I gotta buy this dip, look what happened yesterday. You know what you should have been doing? You should have been selling Selling the rip. rip. And I am waiting. And you know, okay, here's a classic example of what I was doing last night. SPAQ. I've been in this thing. These backs have been tough. It had news last night, and it was something about the filing, and it went from $14 to $15. I was like, thank you very much. I will get the hell out of this because all this stuff is broken now. What's the symbol again? SPAQ. Look at the the last night's chart. This thing traded up to $15.10. Do you see it? Why? Some headline that there was something with the... There was a filing last night. A filing. That, oh, yeah, the Fisker thing is coming closer or whatever. I don't even know. But I was like, I don't even care what it is. <laughs> this stuff's all out of favor. and going to rally it back a buck last night on late volume. I'll sell. Thank you. I sold a 15.05. And I'm out. Was and, that a trade or was that a... No, I was in the longer-term portfolio. I'm like trying to liquidate my longer-term portfolio on rips now. Oh, so, I mean, we're at that point where I'm looking at rips to sell and get more cash. I have a lot of cash. I'm looking to get more cash. So I may be dead wrong, but I'm not selling the hole. I'm not selling back when it's down 60 cents, but I used that rally last night when it was up 7%, up over 15. If you see that chart, you see what I'm talking about. That's the gifts I'm talking about. And you're Shell, Spencer. Um, <laughs> I, full disclosure, I'm short shell. It's one of my only really good overnight <laughs> trades here. I'm, I'm whacked on a lot of things. So don't think I'm just raking it in, but shell is helping my day. Um, the SPAC trade. Dennis, I thought we were a team. To I, thought, dust. I thought we were a team, you and me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Spencer, but this shell, to his account? <laughs> this shell is broken. I want to get into your account and sell it for you. But anyways, I couldn't. So I had to borrow it from you to sell it short. <laughs> it said Spencer Israel had to borrow. Is it Spencer Israel on the other side of the borough? I'm, I, honestly, there's so many of these things that I'm worried about these facts. There's so much fluff in all these, like the shell one too. But you look across the board, LCA, I'm in that one. So the SPAC attack is now full on attack to your bottom line. It is ugly. Um, and maybe they're going to turn it around. They're going to give you opportunities. There's going to be more, you know, rip and rallies here. 
Use those rallies to lighten up. That's my opinion. I was trying to think of a name for these, for something for the acronym, you know, S-P-A-C, you know how I always come up with my things. And I just, just, I, I, just, I haven't had a good feeling about them. I know you guys have been talking about them and, and investing and uh, it's speculative. What did I come up with? Uh, speculative prospects attracting, and I haven't came up with a C yet. Uh, but that I, well, I don't know. I one just, thing, one thing I think they're weak IPOs, Dennis. I know you agreed, disagreed with me on that in the pre-market no, well, show, but I don't know. The, 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 well, they, they're an alternative to the IPO. Exactly. Um, we've like, been arguing. They, they've, they've been hot, but the, 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 the SPAC right now is like people are scared to death. The SPACs are getting murdered in them. I mean, so, you know, this LCA in two days just went from, look at this chart. It was 1829 <laughs> yesterday, two days ago. It's going to win a 1380. So now if you're selling now, you're late to the party. But, you know, you're selling the bottom maybe if you're selling now. Know. But Who now knows? when these things are this broken, you aren't looking. I'm not looking, oh, I want to buy this LCA on a dip here right now. I'm looking, please go back to 15. Don't get the hell out. <laughs> I mean, I'm like everybody else. I'm looking for the rip to sell. Rips to sell. Rips to sell. Uh, last thing I'll add on this back thing, and then we'll go to the ch- tickers from the chat. Uh, I'm, I'm pasting a link in all of our various chats right now. A great article that I read last night from Institutional Investor just about the SPAC trade. Um, uh, and wh- if you're not skeptical, perhaps why you should be. It, it featured an interview with Bill Ackman about his SPAC. Uh, bottom line, there's a lot of reasons to be really, really skeptical. Uh, of, of this process. It, it can work, right? There are examples where it works. DraftKings, it worked. Virgin Galactic, it worked. Um, those are the outliers, though, for this year. Uh, and so just if you're not skeptical, if you think SPACs only go up, uh, that is wrong. Be skeptical. Uh, they don't all go up. And check out that article. I just posted it in the various chats from Institutional Investor. Uh, so on that note, let's go to the chat. And some tickers. Do some tickers. If you have a ticker, drop it in, and we'll take a look. Let's look from GWS here, FedEx. He's wondering, or he or she, I don't know who that is, uh, can they buck the trend with Christmas deliveries? It's upgraded today. That's helping it. It's only up 0.3%. FedEx is an overall market stock, though. I'm still long FedEx, full disclosure. Um, You're making me nervous with this I'm nervous on it. And this is actually in my RSP. I don't even have to like, cause it's in a registered account that I don't even have to take, worry about the gain, the tax implications because I'm up a hundred points on it. I kind of want to book the profits. I think Steve will just up, I, Steve will upgrade it today. Steve will late to the, late to the party. Sorry, Steve will, <laughs> analyst. I think you're wrong. I, I, I almost want to book the profit. I, I, I'm, I might hold, it hasn't broke trend yet. It's best. It's, it's firing on all cylinders. 2.30, line in the sand. That thing goes under 2.30, get the hell out. So maybe you hold it till 2.30 if you're a swing trader. goes under 2.30, I don't want any part of it. If the market turns around, this could be one that turns around in a hurry. But just be very, very careful buying it here on the steeple upgrade because uh, I don't like this overall market. Next. J- Joel's got this one. Zoom. Oof. You doing Delay. Zoom? Well, now someone asked about Zoom. Oh, boy. Down 16 bucks. Did it get down? What, what, what happened? Yes. It went to 529 now. It went to 529 yesterday? Yep. Mm. I mean, they, that's, that was the lockdown trade. They think we're all going to go right back to this. I think it's over. I, I'm, I said thought Zoom was over before. 
I think they. I think the five. Sorry, I took it from me. The five twenty nine. I think we topped out. I'd, I'd sell all rallies in Zoom. That's ridiculous. It was wow. always ridiculous, but now they're getting in this sell everything mode. Unless the market turns around today and closes green, heavy green, I don't want to own anything like this. Let's see what happens. Uh, we're right at yesterday's low, 483 and a quarter. You have not hit that in the pre-market. So if that doesn't hold, whoo 458.75 is your next daily low, folks. I just can't give you a level if there's not a level there. Uh, coming back on the upside, oh, is 500 a big a big number now? Oh, let me sell at 500. I know I could have sold at 530 yesterday. All-time closing high, 553. I think the whole 490 to 500 uh, area is going to thicken up now in Zoom, ZM. What, if, what about uh, Casco? We're getting earnings after the close today. Um, I've got an overnight short net. I, didn't, I, I was long it, and it rallied $3 last night I had the report, so I sold my long and I went short. Um, up about a buck in the short. Um, I'm probably going to cover this somewhere in here. How do you I don't... do that? How do you, how do you take a long you, – you do it on the same order? Like if you're long, yeah, I can do it on the same order. It'll mark it all. Boom, sell and sell short. It that, sends actually my platform will sell the stock and sell the short all in the same order. It'll mark it all correctly too. Man, so, yeah. man. that's I, amazing. I, I mean, it, it, well, look, they're paying. It's the same thing as the Sintas. You want to pay yep. three bucks up for it ahead of the report? You're paying up one percent last night. You're paying up too much. So I was long it because I like being long. You know, I like being long stocks ahead of the reports. And somebody last night they said on Fast Money too. And they were pumping it. There's an old option buyer in there. And it pops up to like 347 and a half. There's a selling opportunity. So I sold my long and I went short. And I'm up a buck on the short. I want to cover. I'm going to cover the short today. So it's not like a long term. I'm a bearish Costco. It's just I I thought it was overdone. That 349. Yeah, 348, 349. It's got stupid last night. That was a good You know, people are like, oh, my God, there's an option buyer in Costco. Let's buy it. That's dumb. Dumb money. Sell it. That's what I did. (laughs) That's an inefficiency. Created by CNBC. Better hold 346. I'm just looking on the 15-minute chart. And that pre-market high was just under 349. And you just see a couple. Like, I see four highs right in that 349 area. So 48 to 49. People wiggling out ahead of the report. I I mean, I, I you know, like I said, you know, buying and selling stocks, you know, on an earnings. I mean, if you're doing what Dennis does and you have a plan, you're buying it ahead of earnings, you plan on selling it. But, man, oh, man, they, they juice up the option premium. You get exaggerated moves. And I think Chris Brown, I don't know if he's in the um, – in the chat today and I didn't address it, but he's when he was talking about Nike yesterday, he was like, what about all those people that are long the 115, the 117, the 120, the 122 calls and this thing's training at 130 and those calls expire. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to wait for it to go to 140 or are you going to lock in some profit? So um, I think that was an interesting dynamic in Nike yesterday. Don't see that in any stocks today. And we have a little bit different of a market too. Workhorse broken. Neo broken. Um, Novavax hated it. Hated it wrong. <laughs> obviously 145. I started hating it right for a long time. Went back to 125. Everybody was trying to make me crow on that one. And now I'm, you know, now it's back down to 99. I still think it's going to 50 bucks. 
we had uh you know we had uh that j and j news yesterday too and that was a fade did you get that on fair value off the open dennis because that opened up right near it its high j and j yeah straight down that was a gift yep it works it, 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 i'm like it's worked like a dozen times is it going to work the 13th time we're like, I don't know. <laughs> yes, it is. It worked again. <laughs> Sell on the positive vaccine headlines. Opened right up on the high tick and J&J straight down. So okay. all right. that continues to work. All those stocks are broken. They're all broken. Sell them all on reps. I hate them all. Dennis, you're so bearish. Well, no, you know what? There's going to be stocks and there's going to be turns. And you know what? There's going to be opportunities here. But you know, it, it's a tough market to just come into right now and say, yeah, we're ripping right back to the highs because all of a sudden it starts to care about some things and we got to burn some investors. There's going to be an opportunity and I'm going to turn around and get bullish, but I'm not going to get bullish right now because I don't think we've hit the lows yet. I think we're heading to 3000 S&P. Where do you think we're heading? You were talking to me about the same number last night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, was the market undervalued at 2200? Yes. Was it overvalued at 3600? Yeah. Yes. I don't know. That's not maybe quite it comes to the middle, middle. twenty nine hundred, and maybe yeah, you start like, okay, and, now and I'm going to get in. Also, we hung out at twenty, and I, if I don't know, I don't have the chart up, but we how I can remember, we were like twenty seven fifty to twenty eight hundred, twenty seven fifty, twenty eight hundred for the longest time, and then I'm like. We're going to make a move out of here. Of course, I was leaning short, uh, breaking through 2750, obviously turning around above 2800. So that, that's, that's still 400 points away. I don't think we're going to see that before the election, uh, but 3000 definitely would be a, a more reasonable target. Spencer, you want to wrap things up? Yep. I, I do want to mention also uh, that I, there's a link in the description of this video to all of the Benzinga events that are upcoming. But the event we have tomorrow is interesting. The latest Benzinga Bootcamp uh, is all about investing in emerging assets there's a, or emerging asset classes. There's a lot of uh, crypto talk. And also, uh, Chamath Palihapitiya, who you may have seen on CNBC, uh, he's got his own SPAC. Uh, and he's talked about uh, you know, the, the pros and cons of, of the SPAC method. He'll be there tomorrow. I'll put the link once again in the – it's in the description of our video, but I'll put the link in the chat to tomorrow's Benzinga boot camp. Check that out there. We are knocking – oh, no, we are over 300 likes now. That's, aw- that's awesome. That's what I wanted. That was my goal for the day. So great to see that. Um, what else did I want to say? I talked about the boot camp, uh, Chamath, uh, likes – and I think that's all I had to say. Nick wants oh. to know when we're coming back east from the chat. Oh, oh, you mean like to New York? Yeah. <laughs> Great question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would tell me. Yeah, like yeah, yeah you, you tell us. How about that? Don't, no idea. Um, uh, uh, until then, it's all virtual, unfortunately. Um, but that's it for me. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Peter Chur. Uh, thanks to everyone in our chats, our YouTube chat, our Benzinga Pro Chat in our chat on Benzinga.com slash premarket dash prep. You can catch a replay of this uh, on any podcast platform, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you in the afternoon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.